0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. And I am sitting here, well, sorry, because I'm missing I'm so sad. We're missing Thomas P. Dorian. I'm very sad, too. Yeah, but you're happy to be Ziggy Rodriguez. I'm, I'm happy to be me. That's <laughs> yes. here. So we're here. So we look forward to Tom returning. But I tell you what, this uh, is, uh, this is we're wrapping up uh, the, the Luminous Mysteries. Yes. And uh, the Mysteries of Light. And so I love doing these series, and we will soon do... More series on the mysteries we 're going to finish out the Rosary at some point, yeah, uh, and so we'll get back on uh, the next set of mysteries but but this uh, this luminous uh mystery like journey has been great, oh yeah, uh, and I hope that what we 're doing here is something that helps uh, good ordinary Catholic folk you know be able to like the the devotions the prayers the our participation in and the things that we do as Catholics allowing it to be deeper and more profound and more experiential and more related to Jesus Christ.
0: So that you can actually not step into the mystery. Yes. As you're praying the rosary uh, and you're praying the five mysteries for that day, you know, uh, it, we're, we're trying to offer more than just reflections. We're really trying to invite you to personally step into the mystery and, and, receive it in a way that's personal to you and receive your faith in our faith right. in a way that's more personal we're to
1: We're asking people to meditate on the meditations, right? To meditate yeah. on those mysteries to be able, which is what we're supposed to be doing when we do the re, the rosary itself, but it's kind of hard sometimes. Yes. to stop and ponder. You know what that particular mystery is. As you're doing those Hail Marys, sometimes we get lost in a sort of a. I don't want to say trance. That's the wrong word because that sounds kind of eastern or whatever. Yeah. But 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 we sometimes get uh, at what uh, you know a, a priest once said uh, talking about the rosaries like machine gun rosaries. Sure. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you. But so, you know we get we can get into this rhythmic thing where we just stop meditating.
0: Well, and and you know I don't mean to say obviously. Now, of course, there are some who aren't meditating at all when they're doing the rosary. If they're doing the machine gun rosary, they, they might not even really be thinking in terms and of. And we're the trying
1: mysteries. to root them out and kick them out of the church. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. And I'm teething. Please don't send emails because that's not what we're trying to do. <laughs> and,
0: and, and, I, and I'll say also, you know. Just reflecting, even if it's without a rosary, if you if you're just silently meditating on one of the mysteries of God, that uh, in focusing on God, that's a beautiful and important thing, and a, and a great source of, of of grace. Silent meditation in itself is very powerful. Uh, I will also say that I think it is important for us, in addition to looking upward, to also look inward, yeah, and let there be a feedback loop between what we're seeing as we cast our eyes. Uh, The eyes of our heart towards heaven. Yes. Right? And then also allow ourselves to... Sometimes we need to be challenged. Sometimes we need to challenge ourselves to to grow from what we are seeing in heaven because, you know, none of us are are living our faith absolutely perfectly. You know, all of us have ways to grow. And if any of us are saying, oh, gosh, I, I... I've really nailed I'm the Catholic there. faith. I've arrived. I've arrived. <laughs> yeah. I'm done.
1: That's I've graduated. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's why we don't have Catholic diplomas. Right. That you hang on the wall. And, yeah, and I, so, I've and so been there, done that. <laughs> right?
0: And so it's good. The, the rosary, in addition to being a source of meditation, being able to to, to, uh, to, to meditate to, uh, on the mysteries of our faith with our Blessed Mother, they are a way also to invite our Blessed Mother Challenge us to grow in our faith, because I've heard it said before. You know, there's no such thing as plateauing. You're either pushing yourself to grow, or you're going downward. Even right. if you, you don't recognize, you it. may
1: think you've plateaued. <laughs> yeah, but really, it's quicksand, right? Yes. You're, you're, yeah. you're 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 <laughs> heading in the wrong direction in terms of your faith. But we are not going to be judgy here. That, but what what we're trying to do is offer opportunities for people to ever increase. Their relationship with Jesus, their their, their um, uh, through well, and through the gift and the, the assistance, the intercession of the Blessed Virgin, you know, and just to be in better relationship. Yes, which will also cause us to be in better relationship with with each other. And so it's a it's a beautiful opportunity. And, ourselves. and you mentioned feedback loop, and I, I love that expression because. It, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this fifth luminous mystery. Of course, is the institution of the Eucharist, right? Uh, and so there's a feedback loop in this, and the, and, and the reason why I'm keen on that is because we teach in our in, in the Catholic Church that the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith. Yeah. So you think about that. There's there's a there's a a, a cycle or a circle of life here. Yes. Right. The 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 Eucharist. Jesus is the source of everything. Yes, but it's also the high point of everything. Yes, like we we are we are trying to attain attain Eucharist. Yes, because it's our source. Yes, and it's like this constant feedback loop. Right, it's a it's a beautiful spiritual gift that sustains us.
0: Oh, it's supposed to be, and it's supposed to be at the center. Of our lives. Of course, we live at a time right now that we all know. The Pew Pew Research poll shows, you know, around thirty percent of Catholics actually believe, actually profess faith in the Eucharist.
1: Yeah, I know. And then everyone goes like, "Wait, what?" Right. <laughs> you know, and people are acting like that's new, that because there was a recent Pew uh, poll that came out, and, and in only in the last what three, four years, I can't when that when last one came out, but I heard that like thirty. Years ago, twenty years ago, yeah. So we've we've been in this uh, place of, let's just say, unbelief, yeah, for a long time, right? We need to move the needle, and that's one of the nice things about the fact that there is this thing called a Eucharistic revival. Oh, yeah. That came from the bishops a three year um, sort of encouragement uh, to sort of raise the Eucharist, the, the awareness of the Eucharist up again, yes. uh, and allow there to be an actual revival around. Eucharist uh, and have it to revive the church as well. So uh, this it being the center of our lives, it, it sort of speaks to me. Then, like we always have a fruit, yeah, that we that we seek. And when we're doing one of these meditations, and our, our fruit here is to live eucharistically, yes. And we don't often stop and think about that and say uh, what that might look like, and and essentially how we actually place the Eucharist at the the center of our lives, right. So that's what we're going to endeavor to do and try to help people in that process, um, you know. And well, let's just start with where you might think we would start and start in sort of in scripture uh, there because there, there's some there's some there's some scriptural passages that well, we say them at mass
0: right. well, all and, the time and, and and also each episode that we've been doing with the rosary since we're not leading folks in a rosary we typically read a scripture relevant to that mystery and we invite the audience to reflect upon. Um, that fruit, so in this case, living Eucharistically, we invite them to reflect upon that as they listen to the passage. But actually, we're doing something a little bit different here today, aren't we?
1: Yeah, we are doing something different. What are we doing different? Well, we're going to do two <laughs> passages, right? Well, we're going to do more than one, yes. <laughs> Yes, we are. Uh, but we're going we're to start with this. Uh, the, well, this is what we hear at Mass all the time, or, or pieces of it. Um, and it's from Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 30. And it's the, essentially the Last Supper, right? right? So it starts at verse uh, 26 of chapter 26 of Matthew. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and giving it to his disciples, said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, from now on, I shall not drink this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you new in the kingdom of my Father. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives.
0: Well, I, and I mean, we know where things lead from there, right? I mean, from there, he goes out to the Garden of the Gethsemane. From there, Christ had his agony in the garden, was arrested, uh, later scourged and crucified. So this is my body, you know. This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed on behalf of many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, Jesus does not just give us the Eucharist; he lays down his life to give us the Eucharist. And
1: you know what's beautiful about that is, uh, I I don't know if everyone has seen uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ movie, but during the parts where it um where he is presenting that last supper yeah as he's saying those words they cut to the scenes of him being nailed to the cross right. of being raised up and it's it's it, it's a very vivid now it's extremely vivid i don't have to give any warnings about sure. how gory the movie is or whatever i think it's a beautiful beautiful movie but obviously some people need to be you know concerned about you know having your 5 year old you know, getting popcorn right. and watching Passion of Christ—maybe something you might not want to do. But the point is, it—it's it, a very vivid. Uh, it helps you to see. Every time I read Matthew, you know, when I read that gospel, when I hear it at mass, I picture what Mel Gibson showed us.
0: Well, and he—this di- he, is my body, and there he is giving his body over uh, in, in bloodshed on the cross, right? And. It's as we said in the beginning. It's the source and the summit of our faith, right? So he 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 lays down his life to give us this thing. So what is this thing that Jesus is giving us? I think there's this brings us to the other scripture passage, uh,
1: which was the bread of life discourse. Right. So I, I like to look at this. I, I, the bread of life discourse is so beautiful, but it's not specifically right. It it's like a commentary. On the Last Supper,
0: it was at the time of Passover, if I remember correctly. Right.
1: Yeah. So, so it's like a, lot a of people, preview. Right. A and a lot of people yeah. think like, well, they're not connected, but they are. You know, why didn't John talk about the Last Supper? Because he doesn't. Uh. But this is like this. This gives you a fuller vision, I think, of the Last Supper when you hear John's Bread of Life discourse, because it gives meaning to the Last Supper yep. and His Body and Blood, and what right. you start to understand. And so we'll read some of that. Uh, we're going to read John chapter six verses thirty through fifty-eight. So hang in there. Just let's 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 uh, let's hear those passages. So they said to him, "What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? What can you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat." So Jesus said to them, "Amen, amen, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven." For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. But I told you that although you have seen me, you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will not reject anyone who comes to me, because I came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of the one who sent me, that I should not lose anything of what he gave me, but that I should raise it on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I shall raise him on the last day. The Jews murmured about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, They shall shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God, he has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jews quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? just as the living Father sent me, and I have life because of the Father, so also the one who feeds on me will have life because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your ancestors who ate and still died, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now, when I hear this, always, uh, you know, I'm, I put emphasis on certain words that are not necessarily there, because sure. I'm, I imagine Jesus, like when he's saying, this is the bread that came down from him, I imagine he's thumping his own chest, not in a prideful <laughs> way, <laughs> right, right, but he's yeah, pointing yeah. at himself saying, this, right here, I am the bread of life. Right? There's no yeah. mistaking what Jesus is trying to say here. And you could imagine that the apostles who were with him at the Last Supper were also with him here at the Bread of Life discourse, when that Last Supper happened? I imagine they were like, oh my goodness, I just realized yeah. what you're doing. You're instituting something here, and it's right. a big deal. It's not like we're saying, hey, the menu's gonna be spaghetti and meatballs, right. you know? It's, it's, it's not a menu item that we're having, this bread and this wine. This bread and this wine are something different. Right. My body and blood, they're being transformed before your very eyes, Right. right? And then you're gonna receive and you're gonna be nourished and it's going to sustain you, and that's why this Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith.
0: Well, so, and I think in addition to being the source and summit of our faith, if we're going to go back, going back to the fruit that we talked about, living eucharistically, right? I, I think we we should we, we should pray for the grace to also allow the Eucharist to be the source and summit of our understanding. And what I mean is, it has to be the source and summit of. How we see ourselves and understand ourselves, our self identity, in addition to our relationships with God and one another. I can give you an example of what I mean by that. Like I, for many years, I struggled with self image issues. Yeah, I really did. I had I had some self esteem issues that predated me uh, receiving Christ, and I found it, found it hard. To uh, allow myself to be loved and loved by God—that's just me being honest.
1: And, and you know what? Thank you for the honesty. And I, I guarantee that you're speaking to me, and you're speaking to a lot of people who can look in their lives, and some of them may still be there. Sure, right now. Well, you know? what, what it's they- not uncommon to have these issues about what your, your self-worth and who you are, and uh, you know, something to be loved.
0: Well, and it's funny because in this case, you know. The healing of that was a long process, I'll say that. But something that was really key to my healing was actually the Eucharist. And specifically, one time I was at Mass.
1: Did you know we were going to do this show <laughs> many years later?
0: <laughs> but I was, I was at Mass, and it was on a day when I was really struggling with these self-image issues. And when I heard and I received communion, and what I heard God say to me in my heart was, do you, do, you, do you think that I want you to see yourself apart from the Eucharist?
1: Yeah, see those that that that's that's an eye opening question. I imagine when you received that yeah. in prayer, that you were like, "Ooh,
0: right." Well, well. remind like later, as I was reflecting on it, I remembered uh, uh, Thomas Dubay, He had a book where he said that Christians were not called to introspection; we're called to self knowledge. And what he meant is, we're not supposed to stare at our mess and try to make sense of the mess. We're supposed to look at the mess and be honest about it, but look at it against the the, the against the backdrop of God's mercy that covers that mess. That completes the story. Right. And if that's what is actually happening, when we receive the Eucharist, like we're supposed to go into the mass. The, there's a reason that we're saying, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, that we're, 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 we're giving the confeditor, we're confessing our sins. It's because this is a sacrificial, in the same way that the ancient Jews ate the lamb that was sacrificed for the remission of their sins. That's what we are doing. The lamb is Jesus Christ. And we are, so we are able to take our mess in a state of grace. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You should also go to confession, but, but, but still, like, even when you're in a state of grace, you're still, we're we're still a mess. You know what I mean? And we need to be honest with ourselves and let God cover that mess with the Eucharist and let it complete who we are because God completes who we are and he does so by his union with us in the most holy And
1: that's one of the, that's one of the beautiful things about our Catholic faith that, that where our separated brothers and sisters have a, a, a loving, beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ, but it. It can't, by definition, be as intimate as the Catholics' relationship. If we're thinking incarnationally, if we're thinking about God taking on flesh, right, and physically suffering and dying for us, Mm. giving us his body, and then also... In that process it 's united to it, is giving us his body as nourishment, yeah right, to nourish our physical bodies as well as our spiritual bodies, and we start to see all that come to pass just because of our incarnational faith, right which I think in 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 other uh, religious experiences that are not Catholic you you don 't fully understand what incarnational is until you realize. The gift of the Eucharist.
0: Right. When Jesus said, I'll be, I'll be with you until the end of time. Right. He literally, he's, he is with us in the Eucharist. Otherwise,
1: you have to call him a liar. Because oh, he just yeah, well he yeah. just left.
0: Right, right. But right, He
1: ascends into heaven. Right. I'll be with you to the close of the age. Right. The jetpack fires off and he goes. <laughs> right. It's like, wait, where did he go? Right, right. But he's here he's here every single time we have mass
0: and the same jesus who said i came down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of the one who sent me that same jesus desires to unite with us and incarnate himself in us and do the will of the one who sent me him our heavenly father in us yeah and so and all of us are called to that so i mean not only should it affect how we see ourselves but how we should see all all of our relationships every human person regardless of whether or not they, they happen to currently be in communion with their with the church they're called to it God is desires to you know he desires that uh all of us are called to holiness he desires that we be one as the father as as
1: Jesus and the father are one yeah it's the Eucharist that brings that about amen and you know what so we when it comes to Eucharist it comes to this mystery of the Rosary we need to have like a we need to have like a childlike faith. We need to be like children. Mm. So many so often in scriptures Jesus calls us to be childlike. Yes. St. Paul says don't be childish. Yes. But Jesus says to be child to be like a child, to come uh you know to him like a child. And what a children they 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 believe they have faith you tell them Santa Claus exists. Yeah. Right yeah. now I'm talking about Santa Claus and not about Jesus. It's not the same thing, but my point right. is they will believe things Right, because they have the faith of a child. Right, but so if we start, you know, early with these kids, but then also we remind ourselves what it was to be a child, to have a childlike faith when it comes to those things that matter—not Santa Claus, but Jesus Christ. We need to like we need to have that faith in Eucharist
0: and wonder too. Oh, the, uh, wonder the childlike wonder. Yeah. Yes.
1: Now, I, I, we we didn't read this passage, but I, I do want to mention one thing when it comes to having the faith of a child and believing in the Eucharist, believing yeah. that. Jesus is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It's not a cookie. It's not a wheat wafer. It's not a, whatever you want to, it's not. It's not a symbol. It's not, it, it, it's a sign, but in the sense, it's, it's, it is true food and true drink as Jesus tells us here yeah. in, in this bread of life discourse. But there's something that happens in here. We didn't get the whole picture. So, like back w- uh, in the part where, you know, he said, uh, I've come to do my Father's will. This is the will of the one who sent me. And he basically says, and I'll paraphrase a little bit, not to lose anyone who came to me. That's the Father's will. The Father's will is that not, you not be lost. If you come to Jesus, he's not going to let you go away. Now, what happens after verse 59, which we finish, when we go to uh, verse 60, many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself, that his, he goes on and on and on and reiterates and says it over and over again, right? And talks about, um, there are some of you that do not believe. Jesus knew from the first thing. He talks about Judas and uh, all things are going on. But then he says in verse 66, this is probably the most profound passage in the Bible to me. Oh, sure. Like eye-opening. And it's after this, so after this teaching, many of his disciples drew back and no longer walked with him. Yeah. Now stop and think about that for a second. Jesus just told us about 30 verses earlier that he came to do the will of his father, and his father said, Hey, son, don't lose anybody that comes to you. It is my will that you receive everyone. So Jesus teaches them. And so he says this, this body and blood thing Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. Yeah, people that couldn't handle that left of their own accord. So think about it like this: if Jesus was just speaking symbolically about eating, like wh- he would have said, "Where are y'all going? Right, come back." I'm just saying you have to eat in my words. You have to, yeah, yeah. you have to drink in what I'm teaching you here. Right, right. It, he would have said. He would have corrected. The, the Lord of life would not have let people go based on a misunderstanding, because he knows their hearts. Right. If they're confused, and he really meant it symbolically, then he would have called them back and explained to them, you knuckleheads, what I'm trying to say, he doesn't. He lets them leave of their own accord, Right. because they reject the very teaching that he's laying out for them over and over and over, like four times he says, my flesh is true uh, uh, food and my blood is true drink. Right which means he doesn't mean it symbolically. And if he, he means it's really actually his flesh and blood that you have to consume, which is why the Catholics have this this understanding of Eucharist that other people don't have.
0: Well, and they, those folks didn't have the, the eyes to see and the ears to hear, right? But for those of us who do, if you have faith in the Eucharist, if you have a childlike faith especially, ask you also to pray for a childlike hope yeah. In the Eucharist, uh, uh, the power of the uh, the uh, hope and the power of the Eucharist uh, to heal us, to heal others, to heal families, to heal communities, to heal the church, to heal, heal the entire world. Yeah. Uh, and, and also a childlike love of the Eucharist to have to be devoted to it, to seek it as your or the ordinary nourishment of your soul, to seek it at, at every opportunity in adoration and all the ways that Jesus comes to us to to hear what the church is saying that this is the source of the summit of our faith
1: and to make the choice to order our lives around that sacrament Amen so this childlike hope uh, right the power of the Eucharist hope in the power of the Eucharist it healed it, it's really a childlike hope in Jesus Christ yeah right placing our hope in Jesus Eucharist is Jesus Jesus is Eucharist Right? it's the it's the fulfillment of prophecy uh, the, these passages reveal what God has always intended and why we as Catholics see this Eucharist Jesus as the source and summit of our faith
0: I mean and we've we could do an entire show. Uh, you, uh, a podcast could be doing an entire podcast on just the Eucharist, where every episode is about is a new thing about what makes the Eucharist special. You're never going to run out of things, because yes. it's one of the deepest, most profound mysteries of our faith.
1: Amen. And so let the next time that you pray this fifth luminous mystery, the institution of the Eucharist, may you, at the end of that little decade, have a hunger for Jesus. Mm. Have a hunger for the hope and have a hunger for the healing that comes only through Jesus. And so we ask the Blessed Virgin in, in, this, uh, in a Rosarian way to, to intercede on our behalf as we, as we pray and we ask her, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of, of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, now, for now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen.